Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. Kind of camped in the topic of holiness for the last few services. And uh, we're going to continue today. I just can't get away from it right now. It's something that God is working in me and through me and wants to speak to us about, I guess. So uh, I'll start tonight again in First Peter chapter 1. You know, when the children of Israel were walking, were moving through the wilderness for those 40 years, it's like they, they were led by the Spirit, by the cloud. And so whenever the cloud... Uh, Stopped wherever it landed somewhere, you might say that's where they camped, and they camped until the cloud moved. And so, uh, you know, I just feel like uh, right now we're camped. Uh, the cloud is is settled in holiness, and we're going to stay here until the cloud moves. Praise the Lord. First Peter, chapter one, verse fourteen. As obedient children. Do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. You know, one of the th every time I read that, I'm impressed by God says you shall be holy. It's not an option. He doesn't ask us if we want to be. He says you're going to be. Because you're my children. You've received of my spirit. You have a new nature in you. You have the this Holy Spirit resides in you. And because you have that new nature, you have my nature, you're going to be like me. You're going to be conformed to my image. Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul said he's coming back for a church. Jesus is coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But they, we should be holy and blameless. You know, before Jesus comes back, uh, I just, when I see without spot or wrinkle, I thought there's some spots that need to be removed and there's some wrinkles that need to be ironed out. And, but it's going to happen because that's, what, that's the church he's coming back for. So I want to be a part of that church. You know, I, I want God's holiness operating in my life because I want to be all that he wants me to be. I don't want to go to heaven and find out I'm still in Christian kindergarten. I want to have at least gone to junior high. So, and... Uh, and it's the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 12. He said, we need to present our bodies and renew our minds to, to the will of God. Present our bodies, he said, a holy sacrifice. A living and a holy sacrifice, which is our reasonable service. Our reasonable service of worship. And then we need to be transformed, he said. Not conformed to this world. You know, no longer conformed, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And you know, that word transformed is the Greek word metamorpho, which, which is... Uh, like a like a caterpillar becomes a butterfly, a whole new thing. We become something altogether new in God. Hallelujah. In Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul said that we have been predestinated to be conformed to the image of his Son. God is conforming us to, his, to the image of Jesus. And he who began a good work in you, the Bible says, he's begun a good work in every one of us. And, but he, I want to read this scripture in In Titus chapter 3, it says, 
He saved us. Titus chapter 3 and verse 5. He's God. He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. It's like it's a two-step process. It's, it's, a, it's a washing of regeneration. That's the new birth. The regeneration is a new birth. So there's a washing. There's a, a, we become a new creature. We receive of a new spirit. But then he said there's a renewing that has to be. There has to be a process of renewing us by the Holy. And the Holy Spirit does it. The Holy Spirit begins to work the life of God in us and, and, and some of the old things out of us. You know, it's, a, it's the process of making us holy. It's called sanctification. It's God dealing with us about our, our ungodliness, our, our, uh, our ways and attitudes and motives and ways of, of living that are not according to his ways. And uh, yeah, I, remember, I remember in my own life, I don't, I don't know how much I want to get into testimony tonight, but, you know, in my own life, you know, I got saved shortly before we moved to Rome, New York. And uh, for about the first year, God just kind of left us alone. I mean, my wife and I, we were, we were still going to the club and drinking and smoking. And and, uh, and then God just began to deal with us. And it's like, no, you're going to give up the smoking. You're going to give up the drinking. And I had a liquor cabinet that was really well stocked. I mean, we were proud of our liquor cabinet. We had a few bottles of cold duck in the refrigerator at all times. And, I mean, that was the, we were like the world, you know. And uh, God began to deal with us. And one day I just came home. I dumped it all down the sink. It's like God said, you're done. And uh, I understand the Bible doesn't say you shouldn't drink, but that's, that's what we choose. We choose not to. I choose not to drink. I don't want it anymore. I don't need it. I don't need those cigarettes anymore either. And then God began to deal with me about real issues like my temper and, and how I get frustrated and yelling at the kids and a whole bunch of other stuff. And you know what? He's still working on me. And, and uh, I'm not done. I'm not, a, I'm not a finished product. I know I look like it. I know you think I am. But uh, my wife's laughing and because uh, she knows I'm not. Uh, but God is working. It's a process. We're all being changed into his image. We get, but we got to let God do it. Hallelujah. We, we, you know, we, if you want the blessings of God, if you want the anointing of God, if you want to be used by God, you've got to submit to the process. You know, to whom much is given, it says in Luke chapter 12. To whom much is given, much is required. You know, I, I, it's like SEAL training. You know, I remember a few years ago, I watched, I watched a documentary on SEAL training. And I thought, this is insane. This is nuts. Uh, you know, what, these, what they put these guys through, you know, hunger and sleeplessness and fatigue. And, I mean, these guys are, are in cold water for hours, and, and, they, and all the sand gets down inside their uniforms. And then they, they just have, they have to live with that. They can't go home and take a shower. I mean, you know, it's like, it's like why, do they, why do they put up with this? You know why? Because of what they're going to be on the other side. It's like, you know, it's, it's exhausting. It's, it's almost uh, cruel and unusual punishment, but it, it's, it's what they're going to become because of it. And it's the same for us. Why should, why should we embrace the discipline of the Lord? Because of what we, what, what we are becoming. God disciplines those whom he loves. You know, and it, it's the same. You know, it's throughout the Bible. In the Old, in the old Covenant, the Old Testament, you know, there's... The Bible talks about the blessings of obedience and the results of dis the penalty of disobedience. You know, it pays to obey. Hallelujah. So, and we got to remember that we are in covenant relationship with God. And, and covenant goes both ways. It's not just about God blessing us. It's about me submitting to him in his ways. I gotta, it's my part of the covenant to be his pupil, his disciple, 
and to let him live his life through me. I want to look at, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Did I say we're talking about the discipline of the Lord? Did I mention that? No? You're shaking your head. Oh. Well, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the discipline of the Lord, God, dis, God's discipline. You know, one of the things we had to do, uh, we weren't raising our kids right. And one of the things that God began to deal with us in our own lives is, is being the parents that God wants us to be, that we are to love our children, we are to embrace them, we are to be tender, and, but when they needed to be corrected, we need to correct them. We're not going to raise spoiled brats, and God doesn't want to raise spoiled brats either. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. These are the scriptures that we read uh, very often when we we receive communion. And I'll just begin reading in verse 27. It says, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and in so doing, he's to eat the bread and drink the cup. For he who eats and drinks eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. And for this reason, many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep. To me, every time I read that, that blows me away. It says if we receive communion in an unworthy manner, we can open the door to sickness and even death. uh, but But then he says this, but if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So God says, first of all, we should judge ourselves. But if, we're not, if we don't judge ourselves, God's going to judge us. And why does he judge us? So that we will not be condemned along with the world. He wants to make us into his image so, so that he can bless us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. In Proverbs chapter, chapter 12, it says, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. And a wise son accepts his father's discipline. So a wise person accepts the discipline of the Lord. Uh, An unwise person doesn't. Turns me to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. I'm beginning reading in verse 3. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. I, you know, one thing we have to just settle in our minds. When, when God brings discipline into our lives, it's not just to punish us. It's not to just show us that, hey, I'm God and I'm, and I'm going to rule it over you. He does it because he loves us. It's the same way in the natural. The Bible says that he who spares the, spares the rod spoils his son. It's, the Bible says you hate your children if you don't discipline. I'm not talking about abuse. but I'm talking about bringing a loving discipline into the, into the lives of your children so that they become the people that God wants them to be. But whom the Lord loves, he discipline. We've got to settle that. 
God doesn't, God is not trying to punish us. He loves us. He's just trying to mold us and shape us into being useful for him in the kingdom. Hallelujah. That's what Paul wrote to Timothy about, about something. He says, if a man purge himself from, from these things, the things that are ungodly, the things that God doesn't want, if a man purge himself from these things, he will be a vessel of honor, useful, useful to the master. God wants to make us vessels of honor, useful to him. And that requires to bring in some discipline into our lives, changing us, because we all need to be changed. Hallelujah. For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom the Father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them, or we should have. Shall we not much more rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, so that we may share his holiness. There it is. He disciplines for us for our good. Why? So that we may share his holiness. We become the sanctified, holy people that he's called us to be. All discipline, all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. I tell you, there's something about discipline, the correction, you know, that comes into our lives. Let's go back to Hebrews. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, Afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. You know, you see that in your, in your own kids. You know, they're being nasty. They're being bratty. They're being, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they're talking back. And you go and you say, okay, we're going to have a little, we're gonna, come on, I'm going to love you. I remember a friend of ours one time, his little, he was visiting at our house, and his little girl was giving him a hard time. And he just grabbed her by the hand. And he says, come on, time for daddy to love you. And he marched her off for the, bed, for the bedroom, and he gave her a little spanking. And you know what? When she came out, it's like when, I, when we disciplined our kids, not not abuse, but corrective, loving discipline. When you do it right, I mean, their whole attitude changes. They become peaceful. They become, I mean, so, it, something happens. It really makes them, it changes their whole attitude. Hallelujah. But it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Discipline is not always enjoyable. That's what it says. It, for the moment, it doesn't seem to be joyful, but it pays great benefits. Hallelujah. I remember one time years ago uh, when, when our daughter Lisa was probably just about, two or three, and she was real young. We went to a conference in Albany called the I Am Conference. Remember that, honey? And, uh, and Heidi Baker was there. We never heard of Heidi Baker, but she got up to speak that night, and her whole message was, God wants to kill you. Isn't he wonderful? Isn't he good? What a good God. He just wants to kill you. And he's talking about dying to yourself, you know? But she made it sound so appealing. It's like, wow, that's what I want. But there was a part of me that liked it, but then there was a part of me that didn't like it. You know, there's that, there's that part of us that doesn't want to die, but there's a part of us that does want to die, that wants to submit to God, you know, and to his discipline and his ways in our life. Let me show you what I believe is how God does it. How does God bring that discipline into our life? Let me, let me just show you what I feel like is the way it kind of works in general. In, in Matthew chapter 18, in verse, verse 15, it says, If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. 
If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. So to me, when God brings discipline into our life, it's, it's, it's a three-step process, you might say. First of all, uh, I believe God deals with us privately. He, he begins to speak to us. He brings conviction of the Spirit into my spirit. He begins to speak to me. Uh, or, or, or he'll let you hear a message, or, or you'll read something in a book, or you'll hear something. Or, or, but God will deal with you privately, one-on-one. It's like something in your life needs to change. And, you know, it's, let me tell you, it's not like God just speaks to you one time. If you don't do it, he clubs you over the head. No, he's patient. He gives us time. You know, but, he did, but at some point, God says, okay, I've talked to you about this long enough, and, and now uh, someone's probably, and then he'll probably send someone into your life to speak to you. So, you know, brother, this needs to change. And, something, you know, and that's the hardest thing. As, as a pastor, too, it's the hardest thing for us. Because when, so many times when you, when you try to bring lovingly, as, as lovingly as you can, to try to bring correction into someone's life, uh, because you just feel like you've got to talk to them about something. You know, almost always they get offended and they leave. Very few times people said, you know what, pastor, you're right. And, uh, and they accepted the correction and they stayed. And boy, I'll tell you, if you do that, you become a different person. You become really begin to mature in God. But if that doesn't work, if, if God sends somebody uh, and you don't listen, then, then, a public, then, it turn, then a public rebuke and exposure. God kind of open, God show, shows it openly. And we've seen that in the life of certain ministries. I remember, uh, remember Jim Baker with PTL Club in the, in the late 80s when they had that whole thing just kind of really blew up. And, uh, you know, I've heard people talk about uh, in subsequent years. I've heard other ministers say, you know what? God sent us to Jim. God sent us to the bakers to say, you know, you need to change. Things are, you're getting off track here. You're becoming so, you know, you got to get back on what God's called you to do. And God sent them. God sent people to talk. But I believe that God wouldn't do that unless he was first dealing with them privately. He deals with us privately, and then he sends people. And if that doesn't work, then God says, okay, I have to, I have to expose it. I have to bring it. Because bring it. his ultimate purpose is, to, is for us to be conformed to him. He loves us. He doesn't want us to, to see us fall away. He wants to keep us in his, in his care and in his love. And when Jim Baker went to jail, I heard him. I heard by his own mouth his testimony. He said, jail was not God's punishment. It was God's mercy for me because it brought me back. It got me back in line with God, back to him. And that's God's ultimate plan is always to rescue us, not just to punish us. His desire is that we repent. And that's why he sent prophet after, even in the Old Testament, prophet after prophet, but so they wouldn't, but so they would repent and not have to be banished. But they didn't listen. Let's listen. Look what it says. I t- found this scripture today in, uh, in 2 Chronicles. I t- it's a sad scripture. And it's not the only place. There's other places, but 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 36. And this is, this is when uh, you have to, Nebuchadnezzar had come to Jerusalem and had taken some captives away, and they put somebody, and he left somebody in charge, and that person rebelled against him, so he, he's coming back and, uh, to, to, to uh, attack it again. And it said they rebelled against the king Nebuchadnezzar who had made him swear allegiance to God, 
This is a guy named Zedekiah. But he stiffened his neck and hardened his heart against turning to the Lord God and hardened his heart against turning to the Lord God of Israel. Furthermore, all the officials of the priests and the people were very unfaithful, following all the abominations of the nations, and they defiled the house of the Lord which, had, which he had sanctified in Jerusalem. So they were totally backslidden. But what? Did God just say, forget it. You know, you're backslidden, you're, you're a bunch of stiff necks, you know, the heck with you. Boom, throw them out. No. It says, but the Lord, the God of the fathers, sent word to them again and again by his messengers because he had compassion for his people and on his dwelling place. God loved them. God said, I don't want to see you go into captivity. I don't want to see this happen. But I'm going to send the prophets time and time again to say, repent, repent. But they continually mocked the messengers of God, despised his word, and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people and until there was no remedy. I'm telling you, it came to a point where God said, that's it. I've sent you prophet after prophet. I've tried to get you to repent. You want to be hard about it? You're going into captivity. You know, it's like that again with our children. You know, we, we, we try to correct them. We say, stop doing that. Stop doing that. Stop, you know. And if they don't, okay. Then, it, then finally it comes to a point where you say, that's it. And they say, okay, I'll do it. No, it's too late. I gave you a chance. And that's the way God is. But God loves us. I mean, he gives us plenty of opportunity to repent. But it says that uh, in the letters to the churches, to the Re in the book of Revelation, the letters to the churches, God says, repent. You know, I'll, if, if you don't repent, I'm going to come and remove your lampstand. But that's not what God wants. God wants us to repent. He gives us opportunity to repent, to change, so he doesn't have to... Uh, doesn't have to initiate discipline. So why does God discipline us? Because he loves us. He wants to change us. He wants us to be conformed to his image. He's making us into something beautiful. He really beautiful. Because holiness is beautiful to God. It's attractive to God. And that's what he's trying. He, he disciplines us so that we will share his holiness. I'm, I'll close with this. Uh, this is something I, I read out of a comment. I should have put down what commentary, because I don't want to be accused of plagiarizing. But uh, anyway, this is something I read in a commentary. I thought it was real good, so I wrote it down. God uses discipline as a last resort. God's plan for the earth is love first, discipline last. To get us to listen and repent, he will use deep conviction the rebuke of friends, a timely sermon, the quickening of scripture, and every other means before disciplining us. But if we resist God's spirit of light and mercy, we are promised the rod of correction. Time and time again, we realize that we cannot get away with unrepentant sin. God is sculpting us into holy vessels, and the process, if continually resisted, can be painful. But I don't believe that's your heart. I believe your heart is to listen to God. So listen to God. When God begins to deal with you about uh, maybe some ungodly motives or attitudes or, or whatever, it could be self-pity or, or unforgiveness or whatever it is. When God begins, to just say yes, Lord. And you know what? And it, may, and, and it may take a while for some things in our lives to really leave. We may struggle with it for months or even, or even years, you know, a, 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 an addiction or something. You may struggle with it, but as long as you surrender to God and letting him work with you and letting him, I tell you, the day will come when you'll be totally free, totally free from that thing in Jesus' name, and you'll be the vessel that God wants you to be. Hallelujah. So don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Submit to God. Submit to his discipline. 
and become the, even, even a more mature Christian, the people that God wants us to be. Amen? Let's pray. Father, hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, that you love us. We thank you that when we need it, you bring discipline into our lives to conform us to your image, Lord. I thank you that you are doing a good work in us. We are going to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. We surrender to you, Lord, and to your workings in our life. We bless you. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.